From the fine line between stupid and clever, it's the IGN DigiGuys. Please welcome the patron saints of quality footwear, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. Yeah, I even put on a, a really nice pair of shoes. Uh, Corey, who sent that in? That was brought to you by Lorenzo Lamas. I'm sorry, Lorenzo Rafa. Sorry, Lorenzo, you must get that a lot. We like that. That was a good intro. I like yes, that. it was. Lorenzo, he always emails us a bunch of intros he does, when the he does. time comes, which shows you how long he's been listening. Good stuff. We like it. So uh, we got a Vox box today, Mark. We do. We do. We got a Vox box, uh, and we got listener mail, and we've got uh, here. You know, well, I've got you. Hold on. Yes, may I help you? Rummage through that. Find some interesting news. <laughs> This is how organized we are. <laughs> you just handed me a magazine yeah, and said, find r- something. Rummage, rummage through this week's home media magazine. See if some other reporter has actually done our homework for us and uh, has, has come up with a, with a scoop that we can then relate secondhand to our listeners so that we sound intelligent. Okay. That's what we do. Uh, I'll tell you what. You talk about – you know what? You talk about your, your British crap. And, uh, and, and there, there is there isn't any this week. We've got no. We got we got foreign. We got uh, really cool movies. We got some uh, animated stuff, and we got a lot of television, including a little bit of British stuff. And then we got a Vox box. We got some listener mail, and uh, I'm going to talk for a second. Actually, right at the top of the show, I'm going to talk about uh, Cirque du Soleil. Uh. And uh, I'm gonna, I say this only because the uh, Cirque du Soleil is like the big deal again. Mark, uh, we have Erie or Iris. In Hollywood, which is a permanent fixture at the Kodak, which is very much in line with Hugo and the the artist and this whole retro history of cinema thing that's going on. There was a little bit of it uh, during the Oscars because it was in the same room, so they didn't they kept the rigging and we had a little bit of that trapeze work. The uh, the two two guys and I saw that and that was amazing. And then I went and saw Ovo down at the uh, San Monica Pier, which is uh, leaving this week. Which was really extraordinary because it was nice to see a, a Cirque du Soleil in, in the tent again too. The tent experience is a different thing from seeing it like in a in a place like the Kodak. And you know what? It occurred to me. Here's the beauty of Cirque du Soleil. Cirque du Soleil has the business model that movie studios should have. You By the way, me? we're talking about this instead yes. of the idea that we just walked out of the Hunger Games. Instead of that, which, which we're, tells we're talking you, about this. Which tells you what we think of the Hunger Games. No, it tells, <laughs> tells you what you think of the Hunger Games. Well, you know, eh, whatever. Meh, it's fine. It, it's okay. I think it's, the, I think it's horribly photographed, uh, but otherwise it is what it is. I mean, you said it right. You and Andy, I think, were saying that uh, it is the best movie you could expect from this material. Yes. Yeah, which I agree. Which is fine. With. It doesn't make it a bad movie. It just no. means that it's the best you're going to get from a young adult sci-fi novel. Yes. Uh, from a combination of The Running Man and Survivor. But I, I do agree. It was, it, was, it, was cut too, it was cut too fast for me. And there was an, an unconscionable amount of handheld stuff at the beginning, which director Gary Ross eventually throttled back on. I also felt that the central love affair between the, the girl, very well played by uh, Jennifer Lawrence... And the kid, who I don't know who the hell he is, um, that central love affair never really went anywhere. Not really. But you know, I I thought it was completely fine. Yeah, no, I, I it, it it is what it is. It's just it, I think it's really poorly photographed. But anyway, um, that notwithstanding, the whole Cirque du Soleil thing, I was thinking, you know, why people will go to see any Cirque du Soleil show? I mean, Ovo. It's about an, you know, it, they're all dressed as insects. 
and the whole thing is about an egg. You know, there's always a little bit of a narrative, and there's this egg, and they're all trying to get the egg, and everybody's, you know, going after the egg because they're all bugs. Some of them are spiders. There's like two women. They're the spiders, and then there are, you know, the, the cricket people and the whole thing. And you think, why would people just go and see this? Like, they're bugs. You know why? Because it's Cirque du Soleil. It's a brand. You know that no matter what the story is, no matter who the cast is, the brand represents something. It means, you know, you're going to see some, some contortionists and you're going to see some trapeze work and so forth. But, and there's going to be some comic relief, but it, it, there's an expectation, regardless of all of that stuff, of the kind of entertainment that it's going to be. When you see a Warner Brothers shield, what's your brand expectation? It depends what... There is none. Well, it de- oh, well in early Hollywood... There, yeah, but I'm not talking early. I'm talking now. What have they done with their brands? Uh, they, they made it into Harry Potter. Well, there are no more Harry Potter movies. So now what's Warner's brand? Nothing. Exactly. They need to find another Harry Potter. That's what the studios have to do. They have to find brands, big, yeah. marketable, tentpole brands that become their thing. Yeah, well, The Dark Knight, Batman, that'll yeah. be over soon. No, yeah. it, 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 it can't just be – it's got to be an expectation of the kind of entertainment you're going to see, the kind of quality you're going to see. Warner Brothers used to be gangster movies, Betty Davis, Alan Ladd. There were a lot of things that were associated with the brand. The brand was the sum total of those things. Studios don't have brands anymore. They just don't. Disney is. But they're devaluing that as well. Disney's now becoming Pixar. You know? Well, Disney is starting. Disney has been obviously riding the Pixar wave for many years. And now with Cars 2, you realize that that Pixar wave is not, it's not bulletproof. Yeah, it's very There true. can be a bad Pixar film. Well, right now, just, just in honor of my, my Cirque du Soleil experience, I just want to make a quick recommendation of some Cirque du Soleil uh, DVDs and Blu rays. Um, Journey of Man, which was their actual film film is out on Blu-ray. I would recommend that. Just get associated with the brand again. And uh, Corteo is out in a Blu-ray. And uh, if you're just sticking with the, with the, uh, the DVDs, I think Alegria is great, and uh, I think uh, Dralian is great, um, even though those you know, really are overdue for being released on, on Blu-ray. We need a big, gnarly, kicking Sony release of a Blu-ray box set of Cirque du Soleil stuff. And we need some more recent shows. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. I want more Blu-rays. You're, I, I agree with you. I'm right there with you. I'm replacing so anyway, all of my DVDs with Blu-rays. You realize that? I do. I'm doing the same thing. Cirque du Soleil represents the future of Hollywood. There, I've said it. French-Canadian um, uh, circus people, carny folk, carny folk from Quebec represent the future of Hollywood. You know, the only, uh, the last, I've seen t- two Cirque du Soleil shows, after which we should get on to talking about DV freaking Ds, which is the reason why we're here. Yes. I saw one of the ones in the tent where I appreciated the artistry, but I don't like that whole precious twee French mime thing where the French mime walks out on roller skates with the inside out with, with the inside out umbrella. You, you've heard it, it you, rains on his it rains on his feet or something. And you, he, yeah. he sheds one tear made out of uh, something. I, I urge everyone to go and listen to the, the Patton Oswalt bit on Cirque du Soleil where he says it's catnip for old people. It's a very, very funny bit. And there's a there, there's a hedgehog riding a, a tricycle with a and I won't go into it. But, but anyway, but the the Beatles show uh, love. Yeah. Was so good. Oh, I heard that. So good, I almost cried. Because this music that I had been listening to and loving for whatever, 30 years, was coming to life in a way that was so exceptional. I loved love. I cannot recommend that highly enough. 
The rest of it, uh, whatever. I am going to talk about for a second uh, Downton Abbey, season one and season two. Well, Downton Abbey, the original, well, I guess we can call it a miniseries, which now has gone on to an actual season two. Uh, both of these on Blu-ray. I have completely caught up with this, and I'm hooked. i got to tell you this. I, I teased this last week. I'm totally hooked. Uh, the thing that I love about Downton Abbey is that it represents the genius of Julian Fellows, who, of course, was a, uh, an Academy Award winner for Best Original Screenplay when he wrote Gosford Park, uh, the Robert Altman film. And this is kind of Gosford Park-ish. It's very much that upstairs-downstairs thing that's going on uh, generally around the Edwardian period of World War One. World War One figures into this. And yes, it's a soap opera. It's a soap opera, very British style, so it feels a little mo- bit more uh, uh, sophisticated. But you know what? It's just so well written, so incredibly well directed. And uh, Julian Fellows, by the way, is going to be writing the uh, the, the new uh, Star is Born that uh, not Star is Born, but the new um, Star Wars. Thing, Star is Born. The new Barbara Streisand. Uh, Star- yeah, uh, Gypsy. 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 Streisand is going to play. Is going to play mom in Gypsy. We don't know who's going to actually play Gypsy yet, or who's going to direct it. But Julian Fellows writing it, I think that's genius. Um, you know, here's the thing. Watching this, I, I recommend anybody who wants to see how movies should be directed, don't watch any movies. Watch Downton Abbey. There are scenes in Downton Abbey that are, that are covered better than most feature films are covered. And they're edited better than most feature films. I mean, this is great filmmaking. It is great television. It is great film. It is great storytelling and great acting. Uh, it's amazing. I'm, I just I can't believe how good this show is, and I hope it runs forever. I'm, I'm hooked on television again, for crying out loud. Wait. Uh, and really good on freaking Blu-ray. For, it's just it's great. It looks like movie stuff. It's movie, holy, movie. Oh, my God. It's movie, movie. Uh, it sounds like a blurb. Uh-huh. Uh, Wait, there's two uh, Tarzan DVDs out. Uh, yeah. Now, Tarzan, years and years ago, was a TV show, not just a, a book and a movie and a thing. And it, was, uh, it, was, it starred a, a handsome young gent named Ron... Eli. Who I know as Doc Savage, Man of Bronze. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Really? He was Tarzan once. No, no, no. Yeah, I know. No, no, no. Ron Eli. Yes. Who I knew as host of Face the Music, which was a ripoff version of Name That Tune. Yeah, you're right. In fact... That's so weird he was a game show host. I totally forgot that. In fact, you know what? I'm going to tell you a story about Face the Music. Tell me. The very first review of anything I ever wrote was a review of Face the Music. No kidding. It was about 75 words, and I wrote it for a junior high school, uh, a handmade, student-only, junior high school newspaper called The Wizard, which was created and published by J.J. Abrams. Oh, that's right. And I, st- I, you know, I think I still have that, uh, that issue of The Wizard with my review. Oh, get this. I, I even re- remember a line of it. This is all true. Yeah. My review of Face the Music which I wrote yes. for J.J.'s paper, paper The Wizard. Yes. The last line was something like, they should call it Face the Other Way. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> when, 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 you know what? When you're 13, that's good that stuff. is high comedy. <laughs> that is high comedy. Anyway, Tarzan, the first season part one and the first season part two, now available on a DVD. Not a big fan of the show. It was, it, was, it was a hit at the time. It made Ronnie Eli, Eli what's it, Eli? Eli? Eli, Eli. Yeah, Eli. I remember the Ron Eli, but whatever. It, uh, you know, look, he was, he, I never understood him as Tarzan. Here was my problem with him as Tarzan. First of all, Cheetah, the, the, the chimp, I'm sick of people making it like chimps or some kind of sweet animals. They rip off penises. Okay, that's all I know about chimpanzees. Every time I hear about a chimpanzee in the, in the news, it's, it's like a chimpanzee that bit some guy's face off and then tore his penis off. 
I'm sick of hearing this. These things are not fit to be pets. Not cute. Don't like it. Cheetah, go away. The, uh, the Ron Ely thing, he's too sophisticated to be Tarzan. I, 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 never, I never understood it. It's like he's, uh, he's a Harvard grad running around a loincloth in the jungle, and he always comes to the rescue of uh, people when they need to catch poachers. What? This was the weirdest series. But, uh, you know, it, I liked it as a kid, so who cares? Uh, wait. <laughs> what are we going to do with you? I don't know. Uh, Showtime's got a couple of uh, gal-centric shows. They got more than a few, but they got two here. Nurse Jackie and Weeds. Uh, Nurse Jackie's into season three. Weeds, believe it or not, for crying out loud, the season seven. I cannot believe this has been on for seven years. That is just staggering. Anyway, uh, both of these seasons are now out in Blu-ray. And uh, we like Weeds a little bit. Um... I guess fair enough. It's it, it it's it's a it's a strange premise to have kept on for seven years, but somehow they they maintain it with you know sharp writing and um, I guess a, you know the whole marijuana centric plot seems to have more than a little uh, well you know where there's smoke there's fire right I don't get it but um uh, you get some cast and crew commentaries actually on both of these Blu-rays uh, you get uh, all kinds of little featurey things on the uh, on weeds as well as a gag reel and some deleted scenes and a uh, multi-screen comparison thing. Uh, there's a little bit less on uh, Nurse Jackie. There are some cast and crew commentaries, a featurette and a gag reel, uh, a couple of featurettes, actually. Nothing special. It's all just kind of standard promotional stuff. Um, totally different shows, by the way. I, uh, I got to say, of the two, I probably prefer Nurse Jackie just because I kind of have a soft spot for Edie Falco a little bit. But, um, you know, regardless, they're, they're sharp shows, Showtime kind of positions them a little bit askew from the HBO sensibility, and I think they're kind of finding their way with the Showtime show. And, uh, you know, there you go. And uh, <laughs> whatever. They're not great. They're not terrible. They're fun to watch occasionally. Uh, Justified is, uh, is actually a pretty cool show. I'm really kind of catching the vibe on this whenever I can catch uh, an episode or two. And it looks gorgeous on Blu-ray. A lot better than it does in broadcast, I'll say that. This is the complete second season on Blu-ray. And uh, Timothy Oliphant is, uh, has really found his groove on television in this show. This is a great part for him. He's a very talented actor, and uh, I'm glad he's really found something that allows him to kind of do something different every week, because he really does. It's a, it's a well-written character, and one of those uh, shows that kind of has enough latitude in its premise to let the actors stretch now and again. Uh, special features include uh, outtakes and deleted scenes and some featurette stuff. A, uh, a roundtable discussion that is exclusive to the Blu-ray that's pretty cool. Uh, the audio is very, very sharp. And like I said, it really looks better on Blu-ray, a lot better on Blu-ray than it does in broadcast. The colors are richer. and you, you, you This, almost more than most uh, Blu-ray releases of TV shows, kind of gives you a sense of just what the, the difference is between broadcast high def and real high def when you get it on a Blu-ray. So... There is a difference. Streaming will not make up for the uh, the loss of quality. I hope not. Otherwise, we won't have a podcast. No, that's true. That's very, very true. It's a sad thing when, uh, well, you know, anyway. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. It's a sad thing when, a, well, yeah, you I, know. I can ramble and, you know, look, I'll start talking about cheese sandwiches before long. Uh, let's get into, uh, what do you, you got over there, Mark? You got anything interesting? You know, speaking of uh, cheese sandwiches, yeah, yeah. I, I had uh, a food poisoning this weekend. Oh, did you really? I did. That's nice. You, you did not want to live my Saturday night. My Saturday night, literally, it, here's the weirdest thing. So... I, I, I ate chicken. That, I, I ate chicken that I had made. Why is food poisoning always chicken based? I don't know. It's also it's usually Jewish based too. 
I, I had food poisoning from chicken. I had bad chicken at a Sizzler salad bar once. Yeah, what, but anyway, carry four, on. 40,000 years ago? 25 years ago. Okay. Uh, between, okay uh, between 8 p.m. and 9.30 p.m. on St. Patrick's Day, you could have dropped me in my underwear in the middle of the North Pole, and I would not have been shivering as much as I was shivering Saturday night between 8 p.m. and 9.30 p.m. And then I couldn't even sleep. And then, so... Is I, that I, what happened to that guy who made the, uh, the Coney 2012 uh, video? Yes. Okay. Um, you know about that, right? Yes, I do. Yeah. Uh, drunk, so, drunk and masturbating naked on the streets of San Diego. Uh, you know, we, uh, we've all been there. Yeah. Um, so then I'm obviously not getting to sleep. So I'm lying on the couch, fetal position, miserable. And then... Finally, I go to sleep and I wake up and I'm like, this is great. I got some sleep. I look outside. It's a little bit dark out. I figure maybe it's, you know, five in the morning, six in the morning, but at least I got a good five, six hours of sleep somehow. Mm. I look at my iPhone and it's still 1130 from Saturday night. So I didn't get seven hours of sleep. I slept for like 40 minutes Oh, gee. and I spent the entire rest of the evening Literally staring at the numbers change on my clock radio. That's horrible. Because I just could not sleep. It was unreal. Mark, we're going to go to some vintage television. You now. don't care. I don't care. Not really. Yeah. Oh, we we got to get this show going. Uh, some vintage TV here. Oh, somehow your Cirque du Soleil story. That was worth waiting for. <laughs> Me and my, my, my St. Patrick's Day from hell. Oh, who cares about that? Uh, we got a couple of great vintage TV releases from Shout Factory. Uh, here come the brides, the complete second season. Uh, you know what? This show, I didn't. I should have known about this show at the time that it originally aired because uh, I was a kid, you know, 1969. I, was, I should have been all over the show. I'd never heard of it. I only caught this show probably in the 1980s when uh, I, I saw some reruns. And I was like, wow, that, why didn't I know about that? Uh, here come the brides. Kind of a, you know, a nice, it, would, it fit in nicely with the whole uh, Bonanza, Big Valley, uh, gun smoke mentality. It's a little bit frothier. Well, it's a lot frothier. And... Um, you don't really fully appreciate it until you realize just how significant some of the cast members were at the time. A very young David Soul, pre-Starsky and Hutch in the cast. Bobby Sherman. Dude, Bobby Sherman. You remember what a big deal Bobby Sherman was in the oh, 60s? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Dreamy. Girls loved him. Dreamy. Loved him. He was right in there with the uh, the uh, the David Cassidy thing and uh, the monkeys. You know, he, that whole, that, the whole mix. He was part of that whole scene. Bobby Sherman. Whatever happened to him? We have yeah, no idea. Are you asking like I know the answer? Uh, we have no idea. Anyway. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Bobby Sherman. Anyway. anyway. And, of course, the wonderful Joan Blondell. Uh, once her movie career had expired, she uh, jumped into doing the, uh, this series. And she's terrific in it. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It, uh, of course, takes place in the 1850s in, uh, in Seattle. And it's got one of the all-time great theme songs. Really a fun show. Uh, definitely check it out. I think you'll get hooked and you'll want all the other seasons to come out really soon. And uh, you know what? Was there anything? as good as Hazel. Mark, come on. Shirley Booth. I, I, I remember Hazel. Hazel. Oh, Mr. Baxter. It was the best. Loved it. Second season of uh, Hazel with Shirley Booth, who just the most, the most wonderful cross-eyed, uh, goofy maid you would ever want to have. Uh, it makes me want to have a maid, I'll tell you. And the thing I love about these shows back then, sitcoms in the 1960s, they cranked it out. They kicked but uh, this is from the 1962-1963 uh, season and uh, 32 episodes. What sitcoms today do 32 episodes? 
Single camera, three camera, doesn't matter. Thirty-two episodes. That is a that is a clip. These are great actors. Shirley Booth, of course, was uh, an amazing actress. Did wonderful work on uh, on the big screen in movies like uh, uh, Come Back, Little Sheba, Little Sheba, uh, with Burt Lancaster. It really, just absolutely fantastic. Um, and uh, you know, look, it's about a woman who's a maid for crying out loud. How how often are you going to be able to make that premise fly? You need a great actress, and uh, it's just it's it's really a, one of those wonderful domestic situation shows that uh, that just it nailed it in the 1960s it was a lot of fun and it's a nice uh, nice trip in time back not really any extras here but the color is terrific as it is on uh, on um here come the brides the uh, shout factory transfers are really really first rate all right wade um, i'm doing this quickly because uh, these are all shows that none of our listeners will ever ever rent or buy okay uh policewoman season two this uh policewoman was a big deal back in the 70s uh because it starred angie dickinson who was a sex pot back then and having a female cop you know having a show centered around a female cop was like a big deal in 1973 so now it's 1974 we have policewoman second season good stuff Earl Holloman, um, we all love Earl Holloman, basically from this show is the only way we know Earl Holloman, but he wound up really milking a, an enormous career doing like game show guest spots true, and very true. variety show guest spots just based on his appearance as uh, Angie Dickinson's uh, partner, Sergeant. Anyway, Police Woman Season 2, uh, Matlock Season 7, this is a show for old people, and it's just, just terrible. Okay, no one cares. Uh, now, actually, these two are cool, kind of. Kojak was a cool show. Kojak was a, a Telly Savalas played a, a detective who was bald and like lollipops, and um, he was terrific, you know. And not only was there a, a Kojak TV series, there was also a series of Kojak made for TV movies. Now, this is back when the networks had, literally had made for TV divisions. They call them MOWs, Movies of the Week. And that's what the networks would do. They, would, they had divisions that would do nothing but crank out Movies of the Week for NBC, ABC, and CBS. Nowadays, it's not that way anymore. Nowadays, the networks, they do reality shows, and they've sort of ceded a lot of that territory to like USA and FX and whatnot. Um, so uh, some of these Kojak movies are pretty good. Some of them are really bad, especially when you start getting to the later ones, like in the mid-80s, and they ended around 1990. But... Um, you know, some of these are pretty good. Kojak, the complete movie collection for the uh, for, for the dad on your list. He was bald. He was bald, and he liked um, lollipops. <laughs> Ving Rhames, the re- the rehash with Ving Rhames didn't really work. Yes, didn't work. No, no. Uh, Mission Impossible, the nineteen eighty nine TV season. This is a bit of a story, only because Mission Impossible, of course, was the famous show with uh, Peter Graves and Leonard Nimoy and uh, Greg Morris and Barbara Bain and Martin Landau and legendary show, great theme, very complicated stories, really well received. They made four movies or three movies or uh, sixteen movies out of it. Yeah. In nineteen eighty nine, they brought it back, and Peter Graves came back. And uh, as Jim Phelps, leader of the Impossible Missions Force. Yeah, that, that, that comeback didn't really work. Didn't no, fly. It did not. Uh, there were 16 episodes in this last season that never really went anywhere. Um, and it's all compiled on this DVD. 
It's called uh, Mission Impossible, the 1989 TV season. Uh, only if you're a Mission Impossible completist or you're just curious would I check this out. Otherwise, uh, it does not hold a candle to the original. And you know what's really peculiar? I don't know why this uh, – this is very strange. We want so many television series to be out on Blu-ray. I mean, good shows that are well shot. Why on earth would they choose to put that 70s show, season one, out on Blu-ray? It's a three-camera show. It, it really doesn't have much to offer on Blu-ray. It's just a very peculiar choice. But obviously, there's, someone's clamoring for it. So here we have a uh, Blu-ray release of uh, the first 25 episodes of That 70s Show. And uh, they try to hype it with a whole bunch of extras, never-before-seen footage, and featurettes that were not previously released, uh, you know, bloopers and bumpers and all kinds of stuff. And it, it, it's so what? It's still That 70s Show. It's still a three-camera show. Very strange thing to put out on Blu-ray. Uh, it doesn't really bl- benefit that enormously from Blu-ray, but uh, I guess if if you just don't care and you're clamoring for it, then there it is for you. I don't like that 70s show uh, for one reason. It uh, gave us Ashton Kutcher. That's one of them. Yeah. It, it, I, I said one reason, didn't I? I, I mean two. Okay. It gave us Ashton Kutcher and uh, who's, who's the other kid? Um, oh, uh, yeah, Topher Grace. Uh, Topher Grace, yeah. Two of the most unlikable actors on the planet. Yeah. The Killing, the complete first season, this is an AMC series that has gotten all kinds of attention, and uh, it reminds me, it's funny, you know, the uh, the tagline that they stick here on the cover, who killed Rosie Larson, reminds me of, you know, who killed Laura Palmer. I know. It's very much uh, like Twin Peaks in the sense that it really, it takes a, a killing of one individual and it spins this elaborate uh, web of intrigue around it. Uh, it's unlike Twin Peaks in the sense that it's not completely off its rocker and all tweaked into David Lynch land because Twin Peaks became just bizarre and supernatural in the coolest way. This is cool in a different way. Uh, the Killing is a very well-written show. It's a very psychological show, great parts all around. It obviously spins this uh, web of intrigue around this one killing. It, it encompasses everybody involved. It takes place in Seattle, a very different Seattle from Here Come the Brides, I would point out. Um, a more dangerous Seattle. And uh, I, full disclosure, I, I'm a little bit biased here because the um, lead detective on the show is played by Mireille Enos, uh, who I actually know. I've known the Enos family for like 25 years. So, um, you know, great family. Her older brother is a very good friend of mine. And I am uh, rather elated that her career has taken off so, uh, so, so with such velocity. So goodly. It, it is. It's great. It's terrific. I mean, she's an incredibly talented actress. She does a great job on the show. And, um, you know, here's to her. It uh, could not happen to better people. All of it. The whole show. It just has, this is a little bit like Downton Abbey. It has a real cinematic flair to it. And uh, the writers aren't afraid to take risks. I mean, without giving too much away, there are things that happen on this show that are that are shocking for a television series. You you just you 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 can't imagine that they go there and that they take those risks. And that's so rare and it's so refreshing. Wait, oh, Blu-ray I, by the way, Blu-ray. Get the Blu-ray, not the regular DVD. Blu-ray shows really really well shot. You want to want to see it on Blu-ray. Uh, wait, I have a recommend. I have a recommendation. Go ahead. There's this New Zealand show that I bet a lot of you have not seen. Which would be? It is called The Tribe, and The Tribe is a it's kind of a New Zealand British kind of a uh, co-production and it's essentially how do you explain this I guess it's like Mad Max meets Lord of the Flies oh gads where, really yes where a virus wipes out all the adult population of earth and only the kids and teenagers are left and they have to they have to fend for themselves and it's total post-apocalyptic stuff which you know w- you know Wade and I grew up during the sort of like the end of the cold war so we love post-apocalyptic stuff like Mad we Max. We do, we do. 
And this is total post-apocalyptic fun. This thing, uh, well, this DVD is series is a C. They they call it a series over there, but the season one, part one. And the reason why I guess they can justify a season one, part one, which I really hate, is because they cranked out hundreds of these episodes, and this season one, part one, has twenty six half-hour episodes. You are getting your money's worth. Um, and I like this thing. I think this thing's a cool little show. In fact, you know, they should make a movie out of this. They make a movie out of The Hunger Games. Yeah, true. They should make a movie out of The Tribe. Okay. I'm just saying. Anyway, good stuff. It can use some uh, special features, but uh, what are you going to do? You still get the first 26 episodes of a very imaginative program, which I really liked uh, flipping through, called The Tribe. Nice. All right, we're going to get to some uh, listener mail and Vox Box in just a moment, but three final little television mentions for those who are into the whole uh, tweener teen thing, uh, the, that horrible, insufferable uh, Nickelodeon, Disney, ABC family audience that I just can't stand. Um, we've got uh, Nickelodeon's Victorious, the complete second season. Uh, to me, this is like, I don't know, uh, Glee meets Saved by the Bell. It, I, it's, it's just it's impossible to even watch 10 seconds. It just drives me crazy. A uh, thing that was an original uh, movie called Geek Charming. This was Disney. And then it's got 10 episodes of this thing called Shape It Up. I, this also just, I, once I see those just cherub faces, I want to scream and just strangle them all. And uh, volume one of Jane by Design, which is an ABC family series that just started, starring uh, this young woman named Erica Dasher with Andy McDowell as well. Andy McDowell... Um, you know, I feel kind of bad for her because she, to play the mom role, to play the well, it's basically a mom role. She's an executive here, but it's the you know the uh, the mentor role is probably the better way of saying it. Uh, it's all kind of teen fantasy, and uh, it's all about fashion. And Andy McDowell is just a supporting actress here, and it's sad that at this point in her career, she's now relegated to being that. I guess it's maybe a little bit like a I don't know. It, it ain't it ain't great. I, I'm sure there are you know teenage girls that are seeing wish and dream fulfillment all over the place in this show and who have no idea who Dan, Andy McDowell is or why they should care. But you for crying you, out loud, she was a lead in Green Card. I know. Give and me the, a break. But the problem is and that four weddings and a funeral. You know how the you know God, how it's frustrating. You know, like here's a problem with aging. You know, when I first saw Ferris Bueller's Day Off, I thought to myself, man, I have a crush on Mia Sarah. Yeah. I watch that today. It's like, I'll sleep with Ferris's mom. Yeah. She's about age appropriate for me now. <laughs> and that's just a terrible feeling. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Wade, did you like my chocolate chip cookies? I gave Wade two my chocolate chip cookies before we started. Um, yeah. Yeah. Undercook them next time. I'm afraid when you undercook cookies, like, okay, you undercook the cookies and then you try to, and then you use the spatula to take them out of the tray. And they start to fold up on themselves because they're so undercooked that you worry that they're going to, like, never come together. Are you saying that's an unfounded worry? Unfounded worry. Got it. All right. Uh, listener mail first. And then Vox Box. Okay. Uh, we got one from here, here from Daniel Buckley who says... Um, Hey, guys, you buried the lead on the new Out of Africa Blu-ray. They did what appears to be a new transfer. The 2010 one was pretty bad. The new one looks really good. No crazy edge enhancement. Detail is high. Color looks good. Uh, I guess someone at Universal is paying attention, or else the transfer monkey was at the vet that day. See? Transfer monkey. Transfer some, monkey. Somebody who's listened to us. You know, I here's the thing. Um, 
and I wrote him back, and it may be a case of, of the player, too, because I did look at both of them on the player. And if you're looking at it on a good player that compensates for bad discs, it, it tends to be an equalizer. But I didn't see anything sufficiently brilliant in the new one. It just doesn't – the movie looks better than either of these discs uh, allow. And uh, to me, that's still a problem. It, it, you know, it, could, it looks to me like it was the same transfer, but that they perhaps treated it differently. What I think they need to do is not just take a bad transfer and tweak the color and tweak the compression, but take the HD transfer that they have right now that they took both of these from and throw it out and do a restoration of the film and then do a new HD master. That's what they need to do. Stop cutting corners. So, um, you know, it may be better, but it's still not what the movie deserves. And then we have uh, one here from Peter Cozores. Cozores? Cozores. I always mispronounce his name. Peter from Toronto. Uh, Wade Mark, I'm slightly embarrassed to admit this, but I rewatched American Pie a few weeks ago in preparation for the upcoming film, and I recall, and he's talking about American Reunion, of course, and I recall the differences between the theatrical and unrated versions of the first film. As was mentioned in this week's podcast, uh, though both cuts are 96 minutes in length, Mark was correct. One scene was replaced with another. The scene in particular is the infamous pie-loving scene. In the theatrical version, Jason Biggs' character is caught standing with the pie at his crotch. However, in the unrated version, he is laying in the missionary position on top of the kitchen counter with the pie. The unrated version also contains a few extra seconds of nudity and profanity. It makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it, Mark? Changes the film. By the way, I just want to say for the record, I like being correct. Yes. <laughs> uh, moving on. Next mail. Hey, Wade Mark, this is from uh, Lord Bomet S. Dragons, by the way, writer, philosopher, programmer, and game designer. Ignis That's ba- not his real name. Ignis Bomet Urera Peret Perpetuo. He's crazy. Uh, Bomet S. Dragons, who has written intros for us before, says, I have a beef with you two. You talked about Tintin and were very dismissive of it. You were dismissive of the plot, the characters, felt it was too noisy, and so on. And that's fine and good. Everyone is allowed their opinion. But then you didn't mention the most important scene in cinema history. Two words, crane fencing. Again, I feel the need to repeat this to my, get my point across. Crane fencing. Take the ancient art of sword fencing and then replace the blades with cranes. Bravo. Mark? I don't remember that. What, I, I, I put most of that movie out of my mind. What was crane fencing? <laughs> what, happened, what happened there? I, you, know, you, know, you realize that I actually fell asleep during Tintin. I'm not kidding. It was like so exciting. It was boring. Oh, my. See, movies have to have a pace. Yeah. Even in a, even in the mo- in the most exciting film you've ever seen, there's there are scenes where the characters stop so the audience can take a breath, so that some exposition can be uh, put forth, maybe uh, some character stuff going on. Tintin to me was just a whole big mess of just action, and I, and I got I got it was so exciting I was bored I fell asleep. So it's possible that the crane dancing deal happened while I was in blissful slumber, and. Yes. Not only was I in blissful slumber, but while in blissful slumber at the Tintin premiere, yes. I was dreaming of the free food that was coming my way oh, at the yes, Tintin reception. Yes, you were. Damn right. Our good friend Walter Gass, longtime listener, right? He sent me a, a frowny face at Dead by Declaration that Game of Thrones is just fine. And I said, uh, I, I, I said, I'm sorry, Walter. I just. 
can't get with it. Uh, a bunch of people wrote us regarding Chevelle Dixon's intro that we were perplexed by, and Chevelle Dixon, <laughs> among others, wrote back and said, sorry for stumping you guys with the opening. It's actually a reference to Pinocchio, where Pinocchio goes to Pleasure Island, and all the boys who go there get turned into donkeys by the coachman. I think that may have been a little obscure. I totally forgot about that. He says, I also don't know what's more surprising, that Wade uh, wanted to be in an unmarried woman at 14 years old, or that I'm not surprised he wanted to be in an unmarried woman at 14 years old. And when I first read this, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm not a perv. I didn't want to be in an unmarried woman. I just wanted to be in the movie, an unmarried woman. <laughs> That's, you know, give me some credit. Gee whiz. And uh, then our last listener mail of the week. I go, go nuts. I don't know what you're doing, but uh, it's, it's very entertaining to the audience. I'm sure it is. Um, last one of the week is from uh, Brian Swagel, who gave us a very, very funny opening the other day that uh, Corey uh, riffed on. He, sa- he says, I had a laugh when you guys brought up the Three Musketeers movie. A friend had me watch it with him yesterday, and it was beyond absurd. Wow. And this is coming from someone who paid $10 to see Tim and Eric's billion-dollar movie through On Demand. Brian, I'm so, t- I'm so terribly sorry. I had to watch that for radio a few weeks ago, and no one should be forced to suffer through that. All right. And without further ado, Mark, shall we uh, go into Voxbox? We love Voxbox. Did you want to do the little Voxbox intro that you do? Oh, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, I forgot what it is. It's something like uh, Voxbox. Close enough. Wade, Mark, it's Kane in Cambridge. And what's up with the devils? I've emailed you guys before and Wade, you responded. Now I see they're finally uh, releasing The Devils on DVD, at least. Uh, An official release. It's a cut version, but I think it's the American version. Uh, But it's only available in the UK as a PAL DVD. I had an all-region DVD uh, player, but now it doesn't work anymore. And I'm not going to buy another one because I'm sort of moved on the Blu-ray. And, you know, it's a pain. So basically what I'm asking is... What's up with the Devils? Am I going to get at least a U.S. release or possibly a Blu-ray? Any news? Ken Russell is rolling over in his grave. Help me out. All right. That's from Kevin Kane in Cambridge. So Wait, I, I have the, uh, yes. the song now. What's the song? It's Fox Box. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one, right? That's the one. Okay. okay. Uh, no, Kevin, here's the... Here's, obviously, we don't know. Nobody knows this. And the problem is uh, the, the Devils was released theatrically in the United States by Warner Brothers uh, back in 1971. And um, I, I, nobody really knows what the deal is. And since we were never able to actually interview Ken Russell, we couldn't even ask him. And he's gone now, so nobody knows. I, obviously, it's a controversial film. Anytime you have a scene that's called The Rape of Christ in a film... Uh, you're going to run into some uh, objections. We don't even have the Song of the South out on on DVD or Blu-ray yet. Uh, so The Devils, I think we can fairly assume, is going to be very low on, on a lot of people's list. Because it's Warner Brothers, I could see this 
getting kind of um, snuck out there through the Warner Archive releases. So we will keep an eye on that, obviously, and let you know if that happens. But, uh, you know, because there's tons of stuff in the WarnerArchive.com collection that uh, nobody knows about. I mean, just it, they, they sort of throw it out there. And I, I think they're maybe a little bit autonomous over there in Warner Archive. But other than that, I mean, it's just a, a wait-and-see thing. It really is. We just, uh, just got to kind of hang out and, and hope that eventually the uncut version uh, gets released. In the U.K., it makes more sense that they're going to release it because Ken Russell has a, a much more faithful following in the UK, and I'm sure the right situations are a little less uh, convoluted. Yeah, the, you know, the movie does have a very tortured uh, DVD history. Yes, you know, I mean, there was a talk. You know, it came out in, in uh, you know in 2005. There was a R-rated version that had the rape of Christ scene put back in. It had a documentary on it. You know, it was it was okay. Yeah. 2008, there was an announcement of a Warner, of a Warner Brothers version in the U.S. Then in 2010, there was a there was one you could buy through iTunes. Yeah, you know that was removed yeah. after a week or so. I, I I don't know the story of that one totally, but there was there was a version of the Devils. I don't know which version it was, but you can buy it at the iTunes store. It was not the uncut version, though. It well, was it, not. No, it was not. No, because because that tri- that title was removed. Yeah, after like a week. Yeah, I mean it reappeared it's, eventually, but it's frustrating. It's, it's it's frustrating how that. Well, you know what? Again, as you say, any movie that that includes the rape of Christ. Yeah, is not going to be. Uh, you know, they, they won't be throwing a parade. No, when it finally that, comes out. No, uh, we're going to get into movies now. You know what? Uh, Kino has done a wonderful, glorious thing. They have. Uh, they had previously released uh, all the great Keaton stuff, and uh, they've been releasing the Keaton stuff uh, steadily on Blu-ray as well. And they just came out with something I never expected to see, which is uh, the uh, Lost Keaton Collection, 16 comedy shorts from 1934 to 1937. If you uh, know your history, you'll realize that's the sound era. These are not the Keaton shorts that we have all kind of come to know extensively through his oeuvre. Um, these are sound era shorts that he did um, really after his career had kind of you know, taken a... Rather serious nosedive, and uh, so he. Uh, this is this is a, a sound era collection of shorts that he did for a uh, for Earl W. Hammonds, uh, whose company was called Educational Pictures. And uh, they, are they great? They're they're not terrific, but uh, historically you know, they're important. Historically, they they are important, and they certainly complete the our understanding of uh, Keaton's career in a very important way. Uh, some of the better ones here, Jailbait from 1937 is actually uh, pretty funny. Uh, Palooka from Paducah is one that some people uh, consider you know, worthy of his silent era stuff. Uh, the Timid Young Man and Three on a Limb are both uh, pretty good. So uh, it's, you know, if you're a big Keaton completist, I'd definitely check this out. It's got some nice notes on it and a, a nice little montage of all of Keaton's uh, really funny pratfalls. So um, great, great transfer, though. Really nice Blu-ray work by by, uh, by uh, Kino once again. Yeah, because you know it, it's interesting how these silent stars had to adjust yeah. to the sound era, and Keaton doing educational films was definitely one of the most unique ways of coping. Yeah, and keeping your career alive. Yep. Very Wade. true. Very true. Mark, yes. Uh, what? Uh, I, 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 what? What did I do? Did you, no, I'm, I'm saying innocent. I'm. I could go on to this, but I think that Oscar is more Oscar worthy. Okay. So. Although I, I do love that. Yeah, I know That's you do. That's a great film that you're yep. holding in your hand. Yes, it is. But I'm holding in my hand. Hey, hey don't go there. <laughs> it's Fox Box. Um, uh, the Descendants, oh. which is on Blu-ray and um, DVD. I think this is a lovely picture that was completely overpraised. 
Although I do think it's a lovely film. I love that movie. I, I do. do. I, I like think, it a I don't lot. think it was overpraised. I really? really? I really think it was great. Uh, I think it is one of Alexander Payne's uh, weaker films. But again... It won an Academy Award. It, well, so it did... Nominated uh, for a crap load. Well, so did uh, Around the World in 80 Days. True. Um, but I'm not knocking the film. I think the film is terrific. I am knocking, I am knocking the praise heaped upon it. Yeah. I think part of that was was uh, a release of frustration, if sure. not joy, that Alexander Payne finally did another film. Yeah, true. That we must now just embrace this thing to our bosom as tightly as we can. That's because the- at this rate, it's going to be 2019 yeah. or 20 Before he does, does another, another film. So we have to completely, maybe if we award him enough time, so he'll make another one quicker. Uh, but again, it's uh, George Clooney terrific in it. Everybody's terrific in it. It's a it's a sensitive, it's a funny movie. It's uh, got it's got some moving moments. I liked it a lot. I just think that it was ultimately <clears throat> again overpraised. Uh, there's some uh, good extra features on it. Um, a, a bunch of music videos which are just stupid. Although some of the Hawaiian music is kind of cool because we're not necessarily uh, we're not subjected to Hawaiian music that often. So here's a sense of it. Uh, so some deleted scenes, none of which were necessary for the film. Uh, so it's a good Blu-ray package, and the film is uh, looks good on Blu-ray. It's 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 not the type of film that shows Blu-ray off at its best. I mean, it's 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 a bright-looking film. The composition's great, but just in terms of like, oh my God, it's got to be Blu-ray. Yeah, you know, it's fine. It's 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 a it's a it's a good Blu-ray package. Yes, it is. Um, so I would recommend it just because everybody else saw it. You might as well too. I love this movie. I love this movie. I, I, I've seen it twice. I'm what? dying to see it a third time. Really? Yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. You crazy. Uh, Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy, otherwise known in Lafka circles circles as Tinker Taylor uh, during our voting. It's just, I it's, love this film. Uh, you like it more than I did. I, I like it a lot. I think it's very well done. Uh, the John le Carré thing is a little bit convoluted. I think when you compress this story into a movie of this length, it forces you to really work a lot harder to keep up with what I think is a plot that's more complicated than the payoff really warrants. But that being said, um, if you've seen Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy in the original television incarnation with Alec Guinness, you'll be pleasantly surprised because they really do complement each other very nicely. Uh, the Alec Guinness version, of course, is a number of years old and uh, very long. This is considerably shorter, uh, just barely over two hours, if memory serves. I think maybe about two hours, five minutes, six minutes, something like that. And uh, great performances all around. Uh, even though at times I kind of felt that Gary Oldman was doing an Alec Guinness impression as a smiley, uh, he really does make the part his own, and uh, he's very good in it. Very, it's amazing. This was his first ever Oscar nomination. Can you believe it took until this part? To give Gary Oldman an Oscar nomination, but he's great. He's, he's great terrific. in it. I mean, there's. I mean, there's so many directorial, production design, yes, perform, you know, details in this film. Everything, the Everything. costumes, the, the the you know, the way people look and the way what they're wearing and how it's shot. Well, that's so all... much is revealed in the details, and I love that kind of stuff. And that's all Thomas Alfredson, you know, who, who directed. He's so it, talented. Who is just so incredibly talented. You know, it's nice to see that he's he's getting these uh, these big studio calls and. Uh, 
kind of taken the next step. So we, we are rooting for Mr. Alfredson, definitely. Uh, the Blu-ray is really, really kicking. It's Blu-ray, DVD, digital, co- digital copy combo. It's got a whole bunch of BD Live and Pocket Blue junk on it that you'll never use because, of course, it is a focus release, which means it's a universal release, which means they have to put all their Pocket Blue stuff on it and, and still keep that BD Live illusion alive. But uh, the other real regular bonus features are, uh, are actually quite worthy. There are interviews with all the main people, including Thomas Alfredson and just about everybody in the cast, deleted scenes, and uh, really a, a pretty good first-look featurette on there that's better than most of them. So uh, I, think, uh, I think this is a really worthy rental at the very, very least. A cracklingly well-made film in every respect. Really? A rental? Well, at the very least, a rental. At least. You're mean. I'm going to say I at love least a rental. Well, there you go. Uh, and then Jonah Hill, uh, you know, made this movie The Sitter in the same year that he was getting all kinds of acclaim for everything else. And I think he probably feels like he shouldn't have done this because this is back when he was really kind of corpulent. So uh, if you've seen him lately, like in 21 Jump Street or even in his, you know, corpulent phase, but, his, but where he's very, very good in Moneyball... Uh, this is just unfortunate. And uh, it's not a good film. It's basically adventures in babysitting with a guy. And it's The Sitter. Uh, the totally irresponsible edition, Jonah Hill is The Sitter. Uh, not a good movie by any means. This is a Blu-ray, DVD, digital copy combo as well. It includes both an unrated and an, un- uh, rated and an unrated version, neither of which is very good. This is 20th Century Fox at their very weakest and uh, even the extras are just uh, just filler. It's all just filler. Nothing here that anybody should really pay attention to. Again, Adventures in Babysitting with Elizabeth Shue, which was done, what, 1989? Something like that. Way better. So much better. Jonah Hill, we expect more from you. Uh, this is not a movie, Wade. What isn't a movie? Uh, this is not a movie. What isn't a movie? This movie called This is Not a Movie. Uh, see, I wanted to keep the Abbott Costello thing going a little longer. Now, what's funny is that this is not a movie which stars Edward Furlong, Peter Coyote. Is uh, it's supposed to be this kind of you know meta comment on our society of television and phony news and this kind of stuff? It's just a piece of junk. Um, but what's interesting is that. This one's called This Is Not a Movie. There's another film called This Is Not a Film. Now, this is not oh, a no, film. This is not a film is the, is the is uh, Jana- Jafar, Jafar Panahi, Panahi thing, which, Panahi I, which thing. I talked about on the radio the other week, which is really worth seeing. Really worth seeing. Yeah. So there's This Is Not a Film, which is worth seeing, and there's This Is Not a Movie. So not to get the two confused. Which is not worth seeing. Yes. This is, this is not a movie with music for some reason by Slash. And these are not my pants. No, that is correct. No, I'm telling you, these are not my pants. Understood. Um, is really mm-hmm. bad. Yeah, well. Sorry. I forget that. Now, this movie, the one in your hand, oh, come on. Yes. Get some. Well, you know, we were talking about Jonah Hill, and Jonah Hill, of course, kind of uh, comes from the Apatow clan, and also from the Apatow clan is Jason Siegel. You got to circle that around. I really, I, I had to. I had to have a segue. Uh, you know what? Of all the people in the world, now mind you, I just saw the uh, his new film uh, that he acts in that he didn't necessarily have anything to do creatively with. But uh, Jeff, who, li- who lives at home, yes, disappointing. Not, really disappointing. Uh, we saw that together, and that's not good. But you know what? The Muppets, shockingly good, shockingly wonderful, and Jason Siegel deserves almost all the credit because uh, he, he not co-wrote, all, he, he co-wrote it. Co-wrote it. He acts in it. 
I mean, it's it's pretty much his baby, and uh, the, you know, bravo! I mean, it really reinvented the whole Muppet thing in the most delightful way. I couldn't be happier. Is it like all the old Muppet movies? No, it's not. It's it's a little bit like them, but it's kind of reinvented, and I think it's exactly what the Muppet franchise needed. And uh, I thought it was delightful. Uh, the whole idea of a guy who has an actual Muppet for a brother, but he's kind of like a he doesn't realize he's a Muppet and he worships the Muppets. And it's this, it's, there's, you know, I, I talked about it's, this. It's almost like Peter Griffin doesn't realize that Brian is a dog. Yes. I mean, he knows Brian's a dog. Yeah. But he treats Brian like it's, it's his friend. Yes. But he's a dog. But they go drinking together. Sure. They go hang out together. It's like that. Okay. I'll buy that. I'm not sure I bought what I just said, but you get where I'm going. (laughs) Point being is, I love this film too. I love it. The music's great. It's nostalgic. And here's the thing that that I think is most appealing about this. Really, and I know I'm going into film nerd territory here, and I've said this a thousand times, but The Muppets, My Week with Marilyn, Hugo, and The Artist all really tell the same story. And three of them came out during the same week. Um, it, it's the story of fear about losing celebrity, about you know the fleeting nature of fame. It's it's actually absolutely delightful, uh, and I you know Beaker. How happy am I that I get to see Beaker on screen again? Boop, 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 boop. My favorite Muppet, far and away. Beaker. No way, Swedish Chef. Mm. Uh, Swedish, boop, boop, boop. Well, uh, Swedish Chef and Beaker together. It's a, it's a team. So anyway, The Muppets, we love it. This is the Waka Waka Value Pack. It's Blu-ray, DVD, digital copy, and soundtrack all together. And uh, it is a, just a total delight. Parents, kids, everybody, all ages, you will love everything about it. Loaded with bonus features. You can watch this for hours on end and just it'll never get tired. This is family fun through and through. Absolutely got to get it on this Blu-ray edition, which, by the way, comes in really cool packaging with a, a green rim to it. The Blu-ray has a green rim and a uh, cardboard sleeve. That green, of course, is in tribute to Kermy. Yay. Love it. Gotta love the Kermy. Gotta buy it. Gotta love the Kermy. Love it. It's all good. Uh, also, there's a there's a Snow White thing going around, and we're getting kind of sick of it. There's all this fairy tale stuff on TV and in movies. Uh, Mirror Mirror is getting ready to open, and then there's Snow White and the Temptress opening soon, and everybody's talking about Charlize Theron, Julia Roberts as the dueling queens. And uh, while all of that is going on, we have a, a DVD here called Snow White, A Deadly Summer, which I look at and I go, what? Another one? What are we doing here? Uh, it's just really, really using this up. And then I, turned, I, I looked at it, and I uh, realized Eric Roberts is in this. And uh, when I realized that Eric Roberts was in it, ah, yes, that means it must be cheesy. Because Eric Roberts just doesn't show up in real movies anymore. Hasn't for decades. Um, you know what? What can you say? It's like there's so little connecting this to anything related to Snow White. It's really just a straight-up, uh, straight-to-video horror film. And uh, it's, it's only marginally connected to Snow White. It's kind of a, a little bit more Nightmare on Elm Street-ish. And uh, I, it's, you know, mediocre. I mean, I guess genre fans will get a kick out of it. But uh, it really has so... It's just so... It, there's nothing to do with the fairy tale here. It really isn't. It's just re- almost thematic connection only. They, 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 no, no, because they all have to be... Re- Here's the thing. Everything has to be reinvented. I know for the hipper, slicker teen crowd, like you know, yeah. like Twilight. 
Yeah. It's all got to be reinvented and made. You know, everybody's gorgeous and beautiful and, and 17 years old, and uh, it's all a big metaphor the for whole, adolescence and well, falling the whole in love for the, the first time. It's about a girl who goes to a, who, who's like her, her stepmother. It's almost more Cinderella, really, than anything else. It's about a girl whose stepmother uh, sends her away to this, this camp uh, to try and, you know, conspire to, get, to off her. But anyway, um, silly. Snow White, Deadly Summer. Uh, the surprisingly successful Hop is now on Blu-ray. This movie's not very good. It is a uh, it's, an, it's a combination of live action and animation. is about the um, is about it, it answers the uh, the question, who's going to be the new Easter Bunny? Ah, uh, yes, I know. You know, you think to yourself, E. B. Voiced by Russell Brand, he should be the new Easter Bunny. But no, 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 no. He wants to be a ro- he wants yes. to be a drummer in a rock mm-hmm. band. Yes. Which means that they can sell a soundtrack too, not only make you see the movie, but make you buy the soundtrack. Oh, it's all so terrible. Anyway, this thing is—you uh, know what—it's fine for the kids only because it is so overscored and overdone at every level, that and so sickly sweet that it is really just for the tiniest of tykes. Anybody over the age of uh, ten will probably just get diabetes from watching it. <laughs> and you know, the guys who wrote this are the same guys who wrote uh, the Lorax. I'm just saying. Uh, another film that's doing uh, surprisingly well. Yeah. Anyway, Hop uh, is uh, it's got a bunch of. This movie's terrible. I just you know what? Come on, just take it away. Um, you know the the only reason that anybody should really want to see The Hills Have Eyes Part Two, uh, Wes Craven's follow up to his uh, horror classic. Not not anything of the more recent Hills Have Eyes. This is the this is the original sequel to The Hills Have Eyes from 1985. Is just because Michael Berryman is just such a freaky looking guy. He just he creeps you out every single time you see him. Uh, and he's in this once again, and it's the whole you know the whole cannibalistic uh, desert dwelling evil clan thing all over again. Nothing new here. It's sort of a rehash, and not really as good as the first one. But it's out on DVD and Blu-ray, and um, you know there's a, there's like a trailers and a stills gallery, and uh, that's all. And what you want really scary. You're talking about The Ring. Uh, the Ring with a lenticular cover here. First time ever on Blu-ray. And this is a Best Buy exclusive. That means that if you actually want to get your, uh, your Ring on Blu-ray and you want to be creeped out by the little girl crawling out of the television and all that stuff that made me just absolutely go completely bananas, I still think this is one of the best directing jobs Gore Verbinski's ever done, um, for, then you have to go to Best Buy to get this. I don't like these exclusives. I don't like the Best Buy exclusives. I don't like the Walmart exclusives. I don't like the Amazon exclusives. I don't like any exclusives. I don't know why they do this. Stop doing it. French, um, the French Connection? It's so frustrating. I, I went the other day. I bought, I, I actually bought a Blu-ray. Yeah. With my own money. We didn't I, even know about this. No. No, no one told us about this. That is true. I, it's just bizarre. So anyway, The Ring, finally on Blu-ray, but you gotta go to Best Buy. Darn it all. So that's, that's very frustrating to us. Um, and, uh, oh my gosh, we're running out of time. Um... You know what? Here we're gonna uh, we're gonna tease you. Next week we're gonna talk about uh, the new release of Battle Royale because of course the Hunger Games is coming out, and we'll talk uh, more about the Hunger Games once it opens. As if we didn't talk about it enough today, but uh, you know what? There's a good reason why Battle Royale is being released the same week as the Hunger Games uh, because it's a better movie. But no, because it's the same movie. It's the it's the same movie. Um, but uh, other than that, we're going to have a lot more uh, stuff to talk about next week. TV, movies, animated, kids, 
exercise, diet video, cooking videos, uh, everything. Sesame Street in Yiddish. Sesame Street in Yiddish. We're going to have it all. That's no guarantee. Well, it... You know, I may, I may, I may be able to dig up one of those uh, Shalom Sesame's, but those are in English. See, that's, that's the no thing. Fun. That's not really. All right, with that, I think we're done. Um, we uh, we will take all of your emails, all of your listener mails, and all of your Vox Box submissions if you want to send us a recording at gods at digigods.com. Once again, that is gods at digigods.com. And until then, uh, Mark, what's your J date handle? No, I'm not telling you. Such <laughs> a crazy guys emailing me. My name is Amber, and I have triple D's, and I love neurotic Jewish guys from New York. Email me. famous abolitionist uh, John Newton back in uh, 1779 and uh, really an extraordinary story that was uh, dramatized in the movie called Amazing Grace but uh, I think the story that, uh, that Bill Moyers puts together here is much much more engaging and fascinating and intriguing and all the different performances and the different versions of it are just really deeply moving uh, absolutely a wonderful slice of history that you just won't get anywhere else or any other way because Bill Moyers is one of those rare, unique American talents. So, Mark, uh, for people who, who are out there using Match.com, using JDate, who are... <laughs> I feel sad for you. <laughs> I'm your competition. Part of your community. What, what's going on out there this week? What should they look for? Are they, are here's, they... here's, actually, you know what? Here's a piece of advice. Yes. When you're, when you're looking for women online, yes. and you know women, they, they have all sorts of photographs. Sure. You know, they have two, three, four, five yeah. photographs. The worst photograph is what they really look like.